0: From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator,
1: Mark Ah, uh, Welcome back to Suckatash, episode seven. It's good to be back. We've been uh, on a little bit of a break. Producer-engineer Joe Polino's been out of town. Announcer Bill Haywatt's been out of town. I'm not sure where Kenny Durgis has been. Uh, and uh, so we, uh, we got to play a, an extra long version of the Rick Overton interview. as episode 6.5. Hope you enjoyed that special treat. And uh, we are back in uh, the full blossom of Succotash this time because uh, we have no special guests. Uh, We have no uh, interviews. We're just going to be playing some podcasts and a a few other things we like to do around here. And we've got a bunch of new ones we've never uh, touched on before. So this should be very interesting. And uh, we also have a new feature starting this week. I've been wanting to get to people's letters. Uh, That didn't work out too well. Then I was going to get to people's emails and uh, that didn't really come together so uh we're uh, introducing tweet sack this week because the one people the one way people are actually communicating with us is through twitter which is uh, nice but at 140 characters it's a wee bit sad but that's okay we're happy to get whatever attention we can let's get uh, to uh, our first of two Bursts O'Durst, these special correspondences from comedian Will Durst. And in this one, he's talking about pitying the poor rich.
2: Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few words in defense of one of the most maligned groups in America today, the rich. Isn't it about time we stopped demonizing the wealthy just because they have a couple of more bucks than we do? You've heard all the scoreless charges, greedy, selfish, uncaring, wear a lot of pink— and what's the deal with the no-socks thing? Like they can't afford them? People, settle down. The rich are just like you and me, only with access to a better class of dentists. They put their Egyptian silk trousers on one leg at a time, same as us. Besides, we all know money can't buy happiness. Although, admittedly, it can be used as barter for a lot of stuff that might make you happy, like food and shelter and health care. Being rich is not all a bed of roses, you know. It's not easy being green. For one thing, you can't trust anybody. That includes, but is not limited to, perfect strangers, casual acquaintances, prospective suitors, family members, non-profit organizations, shysters, crooks, and lawyers, but I repeat myself, not to mention the most dangerous threat of all, other rich people. Does the name Bertie Madoff have any meaning here? Scoundrels are constantly plotting to make your money their money. It's because of this that rich people live in a constant state of fear. Nobody robs poor people. Well, actually, rich people rob poor people, but that's different. That's business. And I know what you're saying. How can you defend these avaricious puswads, these open-sword cancers on the face of society, these materialistic squeeze bags with the morals of diseased weasels in heat? Well... Self-preservation, mostly, because someday I intend to be rich. Filthy rich. How rich? Rich enough to not stuff the box of Kleenex in my suitcase when I check out of hotel rooms. (laughs) I'd leave it right there in the bathroom sink for the next guy. Hey, it's a goal. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
1: You are indeed. Thank you, Will Durst. We will have a second of durst before this succotash be over. Uh, I think we missed a, uh, a Durst installment when we were uh, out of the studio. So if you want to pick up his July 4th Burst-O-Durst, you can go to willdurst.com and hear that. Also follow him at Will Durst on Twitter, if you will. He's uh, humorous uh, throughout the day. On there, uh, next up we've got a show called the Apple Sisters. This is a, a trio of of women: Kimmy Gatewood, Rebecca Johnson, and Sarah Lowe. Uh, they have been performing live as uh, it, it's a little bit like an old kind of uh, Lennon Sisters kind of act, uh, but uh, sort of amped up for uh, today. It's uh, a little bit of a take on the old Variety Hour radio format from back in the '40s, and uh, they perform this live, oftentimes in front of an audience in Los Angeles, but now they've also got this podcast called The Apple Sisters. And in this particular episode, their guest is Jason Ritter. And they are, um, considering the fact they don't have enough money to go on vacation, they are considering the ramifications of having a staycation. Golly, I wish that we could really go on vacation one day. Well, let that dream die. Because even if we could pay for the flights, and the, the cost of all of our beachwear needs would break the bank. Well, I could still wish it in my head. I
3: wish... I wish, I wish, I
4: wish. Well, I wish. wish no more. <gasps> oh. What if I told you there was one place that you could get everything you need for the beach and it's always on sale? Well,
5: I'm listening, stranger. Uh, excuse me, but who are you? Buddy! Hey, hey, buddy, where's this place we could get all of our beach needs under one roof? Buddy! Ah. Uh, what? Wh- what is that? just you say, buddy?
3: That's what I said, buddy! Ah. Did
5: you say, buddy, buddy? Sure
3: did, buddy, buddy! Uh. Buddy? Yes. Buddy? That's right. Buddy! Let's see. Buddies bargain B- beachwear That's me Buddies bargain
6: beachwear
3: Sounds good, right? Never been about a bet bargain on a beachwear suit.
5: Mm-hmm. Failing long, cuz don't need a lot of loot. Shining like a star on a fashion shoot Cuz BUDDY'S bargain beachwear is so cute. Buddies bargain beachwear
4: I've got everything you need for the surf sun and sand. Buddies
5: bargain beachwear
3: It's practically all free. But
5: but is black as uh, well excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh uh b- bodies body body bodies I I can do this. Buddies blah bodies uh it's a butter buzz and a body and a uh, uh, uh station. What I, uh uh I was trying to say it's a cheap suit! 99 cent beachwear sale starts tomorrow at dawn. Not responsible for sunburn,
0: crab bites, or sandy bottoms. Oh wow, oh. no, that was great. Wow. Oh, Buddy, wait, but
7: you're not Buddy. We know Buddy, a Buddy's Bargain Blowout.
4: Well, I'm Buddy Junior. Oh.
7: oh! My dad,
4: Buddy, bought me my own beachwear store. My sister, Buddy, owns a Buddy's Bargain Bridal.
5: Buddy's a weird name for a girl. Well, it's
4: short for Budina.
5: Uh-oh. Oh, well, Budina isn't even an name for a girl, Buddy. Yeah,
4: well gals, okay. I gotta back back to the store. Someone's gotta make those sales.
2: Oh, you sure you can't stick around? I was gonna change it to my
3: birthday suit.
4: Oh, it's your birthday.
3: Nope.
1: The the Apple Sisters. Uh you can uh, catch them on the at theapplesisters.com, Earwolf.com, on iTunes where they are consistently showing up in the top picks in the podcast section they've been doing their podcast for a very short period of time but are already very very popular speaking of popular I see our booth announcer Bill Haywatt coming into the studio hello Bill good to to... welcome back from vacation warming
0: up no problem great to see you yes it's great to be seen Uh... Mr. Hershon, it's great to be here in Studio Peep. Back again on the air. <clears throat> yes.
1: You, you, you have a purpose in mind, I can see. You're...
0: Well, you know, I was listening to the Apple sisters, and I, I really must say that I appreciate their uh, production values. Reminds me of the old days of Hollywood premiere with uh, Luella Parsons. And That's I simple. really enjoyed listening to her and, before, my, uh,
1: before my time
0: One yeah. of those little apples, uh, little applets uh, Reminded me of Luella Luella was, uh, she had a tendency to do uh, Radio in the nude as well And uh, it really put her on sort of the blacklist. I, I must say that I do think that You know, naked radio is just not where we want to go with this Naked radio? Well, she was putting on it Birthday suit. Oh, I understand, but it, has it been a prevalent problem? Naked radio. Well, naked radio. Sometimes people in the business think they can use naked radio to uh, further their careers. I say, you, you know, you always tell a better story when you leave your clothing's
1: on. I, I, I just, I think it's a, it's a slippery. This actually reminds me of an incident Slippery that slope, ha- happened uh, when I was—I uh, used to do overnight radio in Paradise, California. Yes, in Paradise. <clears> yes. And I—I I was uh, waiting for listeners to call in with requests, and they mm. weren't. So I—I I started disrobing in the studio and said I would strip down to my birthday suit unless somebody called and requested a song. Yes. So I'm afraid I, I fall into the camp that you despise. I was using oh. nudity on the radio as a weapon, Bill. I, I, I didn't know this about you
0: mark I, I you know when I took this job, I was told that you had a certain uh, approach to radio that was was fair and earnest and honest and we were really going to try to bring things back to a certain level of standard. I mean I, I, I suppose that I could sort of look at this as just... You don't, you don't do this
1: now. No, it was a learning... I was very young at the time. Very well, young. I would, I would not do that now. Oh, well... I, I would then, not do that oh, now. Okay, then. So, I mean... But their production
0: values and their, their approach reminded me a great deal of Hollywood Star Playhouse, Hollywood Star Preview, Hollywood Star Time with uh, the lovely Vanessa Brown. Oh, and I remember... I mean, I just remember my times with Marguerite Chapin. Oh, she... She was an apple sister in her own way, really,
1: when I think of Bill, it's You've got kind of a faraway look in your eye,
0: Bill. It's, those were happy times for you, oh, weren't they? Oh, they were good times. They were good times with good people. And when we wanted to get naked, we would go out to the lake, or we would go under the Hollywood side. I mean, you could have two friends with their own young ladies going up, and one person would take the left side of the W and <laughs> The other couple would go Bill, to the right side Bill, of the Bill, W, and Bill. we would just, you could see those it, W's, those, the signs would just rock is, back and forth. Is and it getting People hot in down here in or the, the valley would think that it was an earthquake, but no, it was our own. Okay. Um, uh,
1: and Bill, I, I think. Sure. I, I think. Bill Haywatt. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, it's time now to uh, try our uh, new feature. Tweet sack. So, um, do we have some music for Tweet sack? Letters.
6: Oh, we letters.
1: Yeah. All right. No, now, you know what? You know what? I, I'm sorry. This mail, is mail, just. Mail, mail, mail no, I'm sorry. This is just not going to work. I, I just. It doesn't work. Nobody writes letters anymore. We've not gotten a. S- We don't even give people an address to write letters to. I realize that. So we have no letters. Not only that, we have very few emails. Uh, uh, We have is tweets. We have tweets, as I mentioned. So this is time for Tweet Sack. Uh, These are uh, uh, actual uh, tweets that came from Twitter. It's the way most people are communicating, at least with us these days. And uh, these are actually some, a couple of them are very faithful listeners to Suckatash, So it's great to hear from them uh, at MareBear 875. And you know, I hear people keep saying the at thing, you know, because it has the at symbol. I am going to dispense with that. I think it's automatically understood. If you're on Twitter, that at sign goes before the name. So MareBear 875 uh, says Suckatash Show. I love how the podcast is described as still tasty or still cooking or the ever so clever simmering for you. And what she's talking about is uh, we uh, run periodic blurbs about the current episode that's on. And when it first comes out, I say things like, uh, just up, and right now, and come and get it. And then after about a week, when that's run its course, I, I put on those other things that say, hey, we're, we're still here. Come listen to us. Anyway, so thank you, Maribare875. Uh, uh, Dr. Octopus, with uh, a five for the S, Dr. Octopus, uh, who actually was instrumental in in helping us get this uh, podcast actually to function properly, going over uh, uh, the RSS feed. So thank you, Doc Ock. Uh, But he says, uh, Suckatash Show is the comedy podcast podcast, a best of recent comedy podcasts, Good Times. So thank you, Dr. Octopus. And finally from uh, uh, the, oh, not finally, we have a couple more. The Comedy Buffet uh, says, uh, Succotash Show, great interview with Overton. Love that guy, very funny. And because you wrote to that to the Twitterverse, um, we are actually going to play an excerpt from the Comedy Buffet podcast a little later today. So uh, be listening for that. And finally, we got a negative. I think it's negative. It's ranty. Uh, This is from Rev Zeb Futterman and it's all in caps, which of course in, uh, in the international language of the internet, that means he's screaming at us. It says, the good Lord almighty has a message for you. Secondhand funny won't get you into heaven, repent. And then it says, please write. (laughs) Which is weird. But uh, anyway, I think he's he thinks somehow because we're playing other people's podcast excerpts that we're trying to to kind of uh, coast on their funny.
0: I think that he's uh, trying to coast on our funny because he doesn't have his own podcast.
1: I believe. Joe Polino is right. That's what I. Uh, so Rev Rev Zeb Z- Futterman, we uh, thanks for the note, but
3: he's trying uh, to hijack our own.
1: I think I think so. So anyway, so that's that. We do have one email, and that's going to lead us into the next two uh, podcast excerpts we have. This is from uh, Ed Wallach, who actually lives close to us. He's in Pacifica, California, and uh, he's a, a loyal listener. I hear from him often, and he's uh, he's a uh, young comic. Now he's not a young man. But he is a young comic. He's done a a handful of open mics at Rooster Teeth Feathers, which is a club in uh, Sunnyvale, California. Uh, So he's a new comic, but he's a uh, he's probably about our age. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not going to say how old I am. So who knows? But anyway, uh, he's been on the lookout for podcasts that we should maybe be playing. So I'll just read his letter. Mark. Well, as you know, via Twitter, I went to Rooster Teeth Feathers last weekend and saw Chris Porter and Patrick Melton, who both happen to have comedy podcasts. Chris Porter's General Store and Patrick's is called Nobody Likes Onions. I've only listened to a couple of episodes, uh, but I've got to say they're really well produced compared to some of the other less well-known podcasts I've heard, which probably has to do with the fact that Patrick is a former IT geek that does the production for both shows, as far as I can tell. Uh, So anyway, so we've got uh, clips from both these shows, Chris Porter's General Store and Nobody Likes Onions, Uh, We'll play them in that order. And uh, at the end here, Ed says, uh, because I've been complaining on Twitter that we don't get any email. He says, sorry to hear you still have an empty sack. Perhaps if you switch from boxers from briefs, you'll be able to fill it up. So uh, (laughs) thanks for this. (laughs) No, no, stop it. Stop it. The letter, the letter music doesn't work. All right, here's the podcasts.
5: We need to put our phones. I talk about it in my act. We have to put our phones down. We have to start being happy. We have to look at the shit that we have and be happy about it. Everyone's just... And that's the problem with watching the news too much is it's nothing but negativity, and they want you to feel bad. They want you to feel like shit's going down because then you'll be plastered to the news to make sure you know what's going on at all times because shit's going downhill. It's time to turn off the TV, put your phones down, join a softball league, join a gym, do something physical. We're all becoming fat. Like, there's fat people in Texas. I don't know how there's fat people in Texas. It's a goddamn steam room. Houston's one of the fattest cities in the country. And it's a god... Like, all you'd have to do is walk outside at three in the afternoon and walk a mile. I lost two pounds in one day in Dallas. That's the god... And I don't... That's... 1.8% of my body. I don't think that's right. No, that's... No, wait, hold on. I weigh 186 pounds. I lost two pounds. Yeah. So it's over 1% of my body. No, over half a percent. Over half... Yeah, so it's like 0.78%. Not quite. Not quite. So you lost... Oh, you lost three pounds, though? I lost two pounds. Two pounds. You lost 1.7... Percent. 1%. Yeah, well, 1.74%. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so I was right. I was doing the math on one pound. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I lost two pounds. So it was a little over half like I originally stated. <laughs> and I listened to you like a schmuck. And then you, if you double it, you get what I... Yeah, yeah. So I was right. I lost like one... I'm just saying, and I didn't... Granted, I did go to the gym, but still. like You could just walk around and lose two pounds. Lose 1% of your... Well, I don't like all this hate towards fat people. I'm not, I don't have hatred towards them. I'm just wondering how they exist in a place that's a goddamn steam room the entire time. And I understand that a lot of it's because you don't want to fucking go outside because it's like living in a goddamn crotch. But if that's the place, then maybe you should just fucking pack your shit up and move
4: somewhere where you can go outside every once in a while. There was this one Sunday night at the Punchline in San Francisco, and I'm hosting. And uh, at the show starts at uh, 9 at that time. 7.30, this dude and his girlfriend, wife, whoever, shows up. a Nice Asian couple. They sit front row, and they order a bottle of champagne. Hold on. They were Asian? Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. Um. <laughs> they did that every time an Asian couple walked in anywhere. <laughs> they just played that. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucked up, but society just accepted it. Anyway, they order a bottle of champagne. Um and they drink it from 7.30 to 9. At 9, the show's about to start. And, and a they're... server goes over and says, uh, you guys okay? show's about to start. I can get you anything. And the woman goes, Oh, I'm feeling kind of tipsy. And the guy goes, Another one of these. A whole other bottle of champagne. So we get like six to eight comics so, into the show. There's a guy on stage so talking he's about... her. <laughs> well, that's where things start to change. And it, it gets odd. Uh, there's a dude on stage talking about, like, Chinese food, and this woman loses her mind, and she goes, you don't talk about Chinese restaurants! And he's like, listen, uh, look, we're, we're all here to have fun. She grabs her champagne throws it on him. He's like, whoa, whoa. And, and, oh, by the way, all night long, the crowd was awful. Crowd just sucked everybody's getting up there with great jokes and not doing well. So this little event starts to happen. This girl throws her champagne. Bouncers come over. They tell her she has to leave. She reaches up and decks one of the bouncers in the mouth. And they're like, you got to go. And the comic's on stage. This guy's an idiot. He's like, no, no, no. Listen, she could stay. I just want her to understand that it's just jokes here. And like Ryan was up here talking about mental mentally handicapped and whatever he said. And, uh, and this bouncer's like, She just hit me in the face. She's got to go. At this point, the dude, he gets up, and she says, you sit down, and he sits right back down, and I think I have tape of this somewhere. You can hear me at the back of the room going, pussy, you fucking pussy. I'm heckling at my own show. And uh, this dude, he should stay up there and handle this situation. But what does he do? He's already invited the woman to stay. He's already disrespected the bouncer. This stupid comic bails. He just goes, all right, that's it for me. Good night. So I get up there, and as the host, I'm like, all right, well, I have to handle this because I'm not going to bring up another comic to deal with this woman. And two, two bouncers standing at the foot of the stage trying to get her to leave. Like there's an event happening. So I'm up there. I'm making fun of her. The police show up. And they come, and I'm like, oh, I said whatever I said. It's, this is a game, everybody. It's her birthday. These are actually strippers, whatever I said. Yeah. They actually pick her up and haul her out. The whole crowd is clapping. They all feel unified that they've just seen something. Yeah. Next comic gets up. He goes, wow, I haven't seen that much resistance since Tiananmen Square. Is it Todd Berry? Because that's how you did it. Very nah. Todd berry No, it was Larry Bubbles Brown.
7: Nah. Oh my God, folks.
4: Um, I haven't seen that much resistance. But my point is the crowd goes fucking crazy because now they've seen something. Now they're all unified as a group. Yeah. And it was the best show I've ever seen there from that point out. And it was like, really? You all think that it had something to do it with the comedians? It. Yeah. You think the comedians were the problem? No, you were all in your own little fucking world. Yeah. Refusing to just like let yourself relax You're and be in part a of show. a group.
5: Forget your shit and come in and watch. I don't understand.
4: Even if you think something's not good, start clapping and make it
5: good. Do you know what's good?
4: You, peanut, they, don't, they don't know what's good.
5: Peanut butter cups it's are amazing.
4: Full of
1: marijuana.
5: Are amazing. That just hit me during that story.
1: All right, so that's Patrick Melton with uh, Nobody Likes Onions. His guest there was uh, Ryan Stout, a comic who got his start in San Francisco. And uh, you can find that at nobodylikesonions.com and also iTunes. Patrick Melton is also the producer for the previous podcast we featured, Chris Porter's General Store, which you can find at pantswise.com slash general store and also on iTunes. Uh, It's great to be back from our little break, and it's great to have the folks from Henderson's Pants back with us, so uh, let's give them their due, shan't we?
0: Friends at Henderson's Pants, we recognize America's, nay, the world's love for a good pair of blue jeans. Comfortable, casual, and another C-word I can't think of just now. But most of the blue jeans on the market today are just so much overhyped, acid-washed, distressed, low-hanging, ill-fitting, poor excuses for denim that Henderson's has reintroduced a true classic, the 100% Dungarees. Just like the rough and ready trousers worn by our company's founder, Jebediah Henderson, back in 1827, these dungarees are made from 100% real dung. Through a unique patented process, manure from 17 different species, including water buffalo, sloth, and rhinoceros, is synthesized into the most durable fabric ever to come from feces. So durable, in fact, that there's no punishment these pants can't stand up to, and they'll do it standing on their own. You know, people write in to ask us all the time, quote, how do you get rid of the smell of shit? Well, never mind that kind of language isn't fit for proper business communication, let alone the intranet. The answer is simple. We don't. In the words of old Jebediah himself, if the pants didn't smell like dung, what's the point of making them out of dung? Back in the 1800s, people only thought of Henderson's 100% dungarees as only being fit for the farm. But nowadays, of course, with the entire world knee-deep in doo-doo, whether it's the boardroom or in the classroom, from Wall Street to Main Street, anywhere's the place to be in your flagrantly fragrant Henderson's dungalicious 100% dungarees. Originally designed for the farmer in the dell, demons in hell, and Batman smells, Robin laid an egg, Batman. Bill lost a wheel and the Joker got away. This is a lot of shit, you know that. If I didn't need this job... <clears throat> that's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1827. And now
1: back to Suckatash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Uh It's come to uh, comedy buffet time. Uh, this is a... Uh, again, these guys uh, actually mentioned us on Twitter, so I figured I'd mention them here and play a little piece of them. Uh, they actually sent this clip in. It's uh, the weird thing is I went to their website, ComedyBuffet.com. There's no mention of who these guys are. And uh, they sent me a clip, so I didn't really have a chance to hear any introductions who they were. And their guests uh, are a couple of guys from a sketch group, I think, in Colorado called Van Full of Candy. And I went to the Van Full of Candy site, and there's no mention of who they are either. So their, uh, their websites don't really serve them very well.
0: Maybe nobody wants to attach a name to their work.
1: Maybe so. Maybe so. That's something to think about. Maybe we should take our names off this thing.
0: I'm taking your name off of it right now.
1: <laughs> so let's give a listen to uh, the uh, the folks from the Comedy Buffet with their guests from Van Full of Candy. And uh, here they, um, well, it, it speaks for itself. Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, now known as
8: KFC, because... Who, we're, we're too damn lazy to say Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore.
9: Who we carry on our shoulders here at the Comedy We
8: the have back. pretty much... Uh, so anyway, so we got the, the the Double Down Sandwich out here, and uh, that, that that kind of has been a running topic on our show, so we're no stranger to talking about KFC is what I'm saying. Yeah, but now, now this KFC story comes along where they're going to donate a dollar if you upsize your fucking drink to mega-jug status, which I got to tell you, Bernier... I thought about you. while I was doing the research on this. Uh, I Googled mega jugs because I'd never heard of such a term. And uh, Don has mega jugs. After several hours of internet searching for mega jugs, uh, I realized I probably should have done that kind of search on your laptop and not my own.
9: Yes, mine actually has it favorited. You can type in like just M
4: and it pulls up. Whenever. Wouldn't
8: you just, Billy, Don't. Wouldn't you just feel absolutely ridiculous asking for a mega jug?
4: Not at all. I'm very cheap I Guess
8: I asked the wrong person. Hey Jason, let me ask ounce, you. It's a good deal. <laughs> would you feel absolutely <laughs> ridiculous asking for something called a mega jug? Well, that depends what store I'm in, I guess. <laughs> uh, you
9: know, as a as as a
8: future diabetes <laughs> victim, Di- I would, diabetic, diabetic, I believe is what they call that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, diabetes, a diabetes victim, <laughs> a diabetes aficionado. <laughs> He, he's having insulin. He needs. He's in shock right now. <laughs> Give him some hey, insulin. Hey, no, no, no. I, diabetes uh, is going to hunt him down <laughs> and shoot him from a rooftop a across the hall. I, <laughs> You're just going to be another statistic, another notch in diabetes' belt. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's right. And then, then we're stealing your dollar, bitch. <laughs> Diabetes victim? Oh, God, Bernier. And look you're at that. twenty are driving along, I sw- your own business. 25 minutes. <laughs> and diabetes, just drunk. <laughs> just drunk out of his mind. Blind drunk, diabetes is going to swerve into your lane. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be another diabetes victim. Uh, Bernier, please continue with your, uh, if you were a diabetic, or you're, you are bound to be a diabetic. Have you seen me eat... <laughs> I, I mean, just watched you eat. It's disturbing. I can hear you eating. <laughs> <laughs> no,
9: I'd like to say that I appreciate KFC caring, you know? I really do. In the future, when I'm dying and my arms are, like, my feet are cut off and stuff, isn't that what diabetes victims have? When they get their feet yes, cut off? Yeah, diabetes
10: ties you up in a basement. <laughs> and it gives you a sadistic choice.
8: It puts the sugar in its mouth. <laughs> Drink from the straw. Uh-huh. Do you want a dollar? <laughs> oh boy! Hey, uh, uh, Jason, let me ask you: uh, Will this will this help diabetes research, or is this just bringing more kids? Uh, to be victims of diabetes. I mean, is this is this like the uh, the the uh, ju- ju- juvenile diabetes research fund way of self-preservation by offering these sixty-four ounce colas? Well, sure. It's like you know, you're
4: you're uh, you know, you're. I can't even think of it. These fat kids. Okay? Let's just.
8: JDRF. Jason doesn't riff funny. <laughs> oh. Ouch. Nailed him. I on myself. Uh! No, look. <laughs>
11: I'm stealing that.
8: This is like the fat children's 401k.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In their
4: future. Awesome. One soda at a time or whatever the fuck they're drinking. What is it? Sweet tea? (laughs) God damn. How's that?
10: There you go.
1: So there's your comedy buffet for this episode. Um... They uh, can be found at ComedyBuffet.com, also on iTunes. Uh, Next up, a very funny guy. Uh, This is the Judge John Hodgman Show, featuring John Hodgman, who you may be very familiar with if you ever watch The Daily Show. He's also the PC from the PC versus Mac commercials that were very popular. And uh, he's a very funny comic. Here he actually uh, listens to odd domestic cases that are sent to him. And although he's not a judge, he rules on them anyway. Uh, Those cases are very difficult to truncate into the time we have on this show. So instead, uh, I'm going to play something uh, he does at the end of that show where uh, his announcer uh, reads emails to him and he uh, just sort of sounds off on those particular cases without going into a full-blown trial situation. So uh, let's give a listen to Judge John Hodgman.
12: Uh, Yes, it's wacka Semi-Primate.
7: Shall we clear the docket so you have a little more room there in your office? Oh, yes, please. Here's one from Matt. He writes... My wife Wait, and so I' have is this dis- the
12: same Matt? Is
7: this Matt Howie again? This is a different Matt. Okay, good. This is Matt W. Okay, good. My wife and I have a dispute that only you can resolve. I know you don't like to get in the middle of marital debates, however, this could be crucial to the survival of the Earth. My wife believes, like most normal people, that garbage should be thrown into the garbage can. I used to believe this until I was confronted with the overwhelming logic of a different philosophy.
12: Oh, I love husbands.
7: This philosophy dictates that it's actually better to rip the garbage up into little pieces and scatter them onto the ground. It sounds ridiculous, however the logic stands for itself. Wait, it sounds ridiculous? Throwing garbage into a garbage can results in garbage being piled up into large plaque garbage dumps, taking a long time to decompose. However, if garbage is ripped up into small pieces and scattered on top of the soil, having direct contact with the sun... will decompose faster, therefore making it better for the environment. In fact, I would go so far as to say he hasn't gone far enough yet. Throwing trash in the garbage is actually doubly bad because it ships the garbage out of sight, out of mind, creating a false idea of how wasteful we really are.
12: Uh, well, first of all, uh, kudos, Jesse Thorne, for getting two marriage-related garbage-related Arguments from guys named Matt for this <laughs> M- Marriage Ref Week special edition <laughs> of Judge John Hodgman. I'm very impressed by that, I have to say.
7: By the way, can I introduce our special guests, Shakira and Cedric the Entertainer.
12: Hey, thanks guys for coming by. Uh, this Matt is obviously insane. Uh, what troubles me most about him is his inability to distinguish types of garbage. When he speaks about garbage, he's speaking about a very broad category of stuff. And if he means that he, we should be tearing up uh, lettuce leaves and onion peelings and other de- other decompostables or compostables and spreading them on the topsoil, sure. That's exactly what Matt and Kay are doing with their compost pile, except they're making it compost first before they spread it all over their lawn. Uh, he could equally be talking about tearing up uh, Brookstone catalogs and uh, old computers and uh, and uh, <laughs> and old keyboards that you don't want anymore and uh, and and batteries. like that's like what's a solution for that? And certainly, I hope he's not tearing up old pieces of chicken and tossing that all over the place because that cannot uh, that does not compost properly. It will only attract badgers and lemurs and it will make him look strange and disgusting to his neighbors. So, as much as I appreciate some of his efforts to make us more mindful of our waste, I think uh, unless he is living, unless he is a vegetarian who never drinks coffee and otherwise throws nothing else away, if you other uh, do not tear up your garbage and throw it all over your lawn, or you will be taken to a home. So
1: there's uh, Judge John Hodgman for you. You can find him at maximumfun.org. Also on iTunes, uh, we are going to uh, play a track from uh, our musical director, Scott Carvey. We uh, featured one of his songs in Episode 6. We have another song coming up from him, and I have some Carvey news. Uh, Scott Carvey actually lives on the East Coast. His brother, Dana Carvey, lives on the West Coast. And they see each other about once, maybe twice a year, when they try to relive their glory days as cross-country runners. So Scott is planning a trip out here Towards the end of August, beginning of September, and uh, to uh, they will be running uh, amok, as it were. Muck, Mark. Yes, Kenny.
0: Is he running out?
1: Uh, He's going to fly out, but he'll. Oh,
0: he is
13: that fast. Uh,
1: Well, he used to be. Let's say he's had he's had better days. P.F. Flyer. (laughs) P.F. Flyers, Kenny. Yes.
13: Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. He runs. He runs.
13: Runs
0: out. Cross country for real.
1: Kenny, I've got. Where were you while we were on a break? By the way.
0: I was standing right here all the time. Wow. Standing right here with my finger poised on the button in case you needed me.
1: Well,. I'm glad to see that you're you're on the on the job, on duty, and ready to help us out at a moment's notice. Kenny, now um, thank you, Mr.
0: Hershon.
1: You're 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 welcome, Kenny. Yes. Kenny Durgis, our our uh, booth assistant. Assista- booth assistant. Uh, bo- ass- assistant booth assistant. Assistant booth assistant. Yes. Uh, so here's Scott Carvey, and yes, he, yes and I
13: love him.
1: His song. He's so fast. Yes. Here's his song. Where's? Fast and furious. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't want him to be mad. Uh, yes. Here's. He's
3: not really furious,
10: is he? Here's. Where's the coffee? He runs. Um, uh, uh, sweet. Did you, uh, did you go shopping today? Yeah. Uh, where'd you put the coffee? I looked in the freezer. Look again? Alright. Uh, sweet um, it's not in the freezer you think it might be in the cabinet okay D- do you remember buying it you think you think you did okay all right I'll, I'll check the cabinets because uh, I really need some coffee and it, it was on the list right uh, okay all right sorry okay I'll, I'll find it Uh, uh, uh sweet? Uh, it's not in the cabinets. Um, you, th- you think you might have forgotten it? You forgot to get the coffee, you got everything else, but you didn't get the coffee. <laughs> You're kidding. Um, um, you dirty whore, where's the coffee? Where's the coffee? Where's the coffee? Where's the coffee?
1: there's uh, Scott Carvey. Where's the coffee? Uh, and where Scott Carvey, he will hopefully, our plans are to have him here in the Succotash studio live for the first time with his brother, Dana. So it's gonna be a double dose of Carvey. Um, I believe it'll be a, a couple of, or few episodes from now when they're both out, uh, here on the West coast. So, uh, we'll tell you more about that as we get closer to that, uh, impending date. Next up, we have somebody and me. Uh, this is, um, I'll just read the, from, their, from their website. Broadcasting from the top of their lungs, within reason there are tenants on the floor above, comes Chicago's newest comedy podcast, Somebody and Me. Seeking a creative new outlet for their comedic prowess, and because they were bored as hell, founding members Patrick O'Rourke and Rob Gregory put the microphones and beer bottles to their lips and haven't looked back since. Uh, So here they are actually joined by a couple of sketch performers, uh, Carly Mosley and Andy Kushner from the sketch group Jeremy. And uh, they are talking about, uh, they're trying to get a handle on what the term hipster actually is all about.
9: But there, yeah, it's a really hipster crowd, which is good because then you have to work on different material than you're comfortable with. So I wrote some like more like um, kind of, for me, I can't be hipster, but I can be emo. So I wrote can some we, more can emo. We no, yeah. can, out, can, we okay. can we get into that?
3: Can we get into that? Can we get into that? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, what's the difference? Because in high school, it was like, oh, that emo, whatever. See, you know, emo wasn't even around in high school for me. It was goth. And they, did they all well, die? The <laughs> they grew I mean, up? Yeah, but they, it was they like, grew like they up. wanted to. What? Say Their soul, <laughs> like goth, your soul dies. Don't worry oh, about, oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But then I mean, emo and hipster for me were never, ever separate until I got to school. And I went to this, like... Liberal arts school, where apparently it's like a hipster mecca, and I, I never. Well, can we define that? As I, really
9: I think hipster kind of emerges more from an art scene, and yeah. now it's now it's Ooh. it's artists who. Well, originally it's artists, right? No, seriously. No, it's That's
13: a joke. Can
9: <laughs> <laughs> I whip it up it's right here? No, no, but it's it's originally like Wicker Park, this area. It has a lot of hipsters but now these kind of second generation hipsters so you have your like original ones that to me are you know artists shopped at thrift stores because that's what they could afford and you know um, kind of live that lifestyle. But, but out of necessity. Out of necessity. And now you have, they saw, there's yuppies who saw that, moved into the area, and kind of took on that persona. And that's kind of the hipster we're dealing with today is the... <laughs> that's the animal. That did. is the animal. He's on yes. the streets. The beast. I've thought about this a lot. Because living here, you see <laughs> them everywhere. On his, on but, his <laughs> but you see, <laughs> like, what's cool about, like, with, with other stand-ups is that there, a lot of those are, like, real, genuine hipsters, which is fine. To me, that's great. Yeah. Just be who you are and, yeah. and enjoy it. But but then you're walking down the street and you see hipsters who have paychecks from their dad. You're like, well, that's not, you bought all that stuff at Urban Outfitters. Like, it's not just the fun same. Hipsters. Yeah, they're just.
3: Tripsters.
9: Yeah. Tripsters.
3: Coined
11: it. It's coined. <laughs> Back off, Andy.
9: Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're $300 designer glasses that are designed to look retro. That's when I start getting like, look so at these guys.
3: So if you see something like, is is the only qualification? Is like I like art and I wear tight clothing. You're a hipster. That's it. That's no, all. it's
9: kind of a persona.
3: Just cause, cause right? the term we've been talking about this before. Rob, that, term, that term that exactly. term gets thrown around loosely. You know what I mean? It's like like it's like it just gets thrown like. I don't know. I'm kind of confused it does. with the definition.
9: It does. It's kind of all over the place, too. Well, are you talking about hipster now? It's more what of a sliding scale of... Hipster
3: or. I, I, you know what? I'm learning a lot. I just want to... Know it's, it's, it's a sliding, sliding a scale of hipster. hipster right? That's all
9: I'm saying. There's some people who are a 10 on the hipster scale. There's some people who's like, yeah, oh, a little flavor of hipster. Also, it's a hipster handbook. You know, really? Yeah, yeah. It's right here. Here, oh let
3: God. me... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would say... I would do say that the emo kid cries in his room and the hipster kid is just over it.
10: That's probably no.
3: true. That's a really good <laughs> way.
9: But still cries. I mean, it's not fair to say hipsters <laughs> don't cry. We all cry. Let's be honest. <laughs> that's really the point of, of us. Parents. Hipsters not don't right? cry. And this is
3: Melissa
9: Etheridge. Segway that into a song. I hope you enjoy this comedy <laughs> podcast. Yeah, how do you put it into words? I mean, uh, emo kids are emotional. Hipster kids, I don't think necessarily. They just... They're different. They want to be different. I, I don't think there's necessarily, or necessarily an attitude. It's all like being attitude. trendy, though. I think it Part also depends who you ask because my my brothers accuse me frequently of being a hipster, but they they target it more at what I would consider like hippie tendencies.
1: Ah, you know, if I'm yeah. not
9: wearing shoes mm. on pavement,
11: they're like, oh, oh. Well, they have a Jersey accent again. <laughs> <"Yo, all laughs>
1: hipster, boy.
10: Everybody. Oh,
3: I mean, I don't know. My mom was a hippie. I, I think like. If, for me like it's all it's it all comes in like judging a book by its cover when you really think about it, it like, does.
1: like yep. yeah like, that's
3: what
8: we're all about in jeremy <laughs>
3: <Yeah. ruthless, laughs> like, snap
8: judgments judgment.
1: <laughs> somebody and me and you can find them at somebodyandme.com. also itunes uh, next, we have uh, the uh, Unoffendables, and this is um, this is from comedian Tom Rhodes, and he's got uh, Lou Angel Wolf and Dana Gibson here with their guest John Fugel, saying this was a pilot episode for Tom Rhodes Radio. And uh, although this, I think this is new, so I don't, they said long lost pilot episode on their website. I think this is kind of a joke, but I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, they call themselves when they get together the unoffendables. And uh, here they're discussing the best free entertainment in Los Angeles. Uh, They're uh, interviewing um, John Fugelsang, and they get into a discussion about real Christianity.
8: I'm tickled to my spine because we have John Fugelsang as our guest tonight. And uh, John, uh, veteran stand-up comedian, many David Letterman appearances. Well, not quite, but uh, over 25
6: on Bill Maher, which I think is a record.
8: Ah. now yeah. I did politically incorrect twice and I barely got a word in edgewise how did you do well, obviously you did good if they brought you back they can't minutes.
6: bring me back well they used to have me on a lot because uh they for the first couple of years they'd have me on whenever it was a religious topic ah. so like because my mom is an ex-nun my father's an ex-franciscan brother and uh so I do a lot of material about Jesus and his his uh his fan club and is and, your father's uh, name Saint Francis no but that's that was his order so. Wow. I, I, St. Francis is one of my heroes in life. One of mine, too. And my dad was a Franciscan. He taught Catholic school uh, history to boys in Brooklyn. He wore the brown robes and the rope belt and walked amongst the people like the lost Jedi Knight of Flatbush but um, <laughs> so they would have me on all the time for all the so I, when I was like in my you know mid-twenties when I moved out to L.A. and I was always getting on to like debate Jerry Falwell when I'm 26 wow, things like nice. that so it was a curious way to earn dad's love but it worked Salty so how did your dad feel about that? Uh, he loved it I, I was on with Jerry Falwell and he was bragging I'm pro-life I'm pro-life I'm pro-life and I said yeah but you support the death penalty Rev so you're pro some life and you could hear his sphincter tighten across the studio floor and you know when your dad's a liberal ex-clergy Catholic history teacher you have weird ways to earn his so your parents
8: were like super liberal and that kind of is how you Uh, they were mushroomed into the love flower that you are
6: (laughs) sort of like that (laughs) sort of like that I prefer to say flower into the love mushroom I am now but um (laughs) my uh my my um they were very liberal politically Around my house, there was you know it was just Jesus Gandhi, Dr. King, Jesus Gandhi, Dr. King, Ronald yes. Reagan. That's the like my, those
3: are you sound like the parents I wish I would have had. Well, <laughs>
6: at very. My very, very progressive politically, very conservative socially. They did not want us to be Republicans, but they wanted us to dress like them. Mm-hmm. And my parents hadn't lived like normal people since the 50s, and their fashion taste had stayed in the 50s. So uh, growing up in the 70s, you know, like, you look at the, all the kids had long, shaggy hair and cool clothes, and I was, like, the, the with the, the, the plaid checkered pants and the clip-on bow tie and the Clark Kent bow glasses, my... my Third grade picture is like twenty-seven little almond brothers and Buddy Holly's inbred cousin. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) they they didn't want you to be disruptive. Exactly. I had a buzz cut in '79. You know, not exactly. And you grew up in New York City? Uh, Long Island, actually. Wow. Heart of the Guido belt. In the
8: original housing development?
6: Uh, In one of them, yeah. We lived in a relatively new house where every third unit was the same. And uh, look out the window, and there's an IROC and a dead dog, and there we go. We're on Long Island. Don't you love Levittown? Oh, we were in... (laughs) I grew up in Bohemia, the most ironically named town in all of America. (laughs) I love it. Bohemia, Long Island. (laughs) Um, where I
8: just picture you know sandals and patchouli smell in the air. No,
6: more like no. Camaros and Final Net cans, really. Well, and that's Florida. That's where I grew up. Uh, <laughs> well, my parents are in Florida now to get revenge on me. Actually, so. there was more patent leather ex- uh, exported to Long Island than any other place in the world. Oh my god! <laughs> what is that? A book that would make for a good hat on you. <laughs>
1: So there's the unoffendables. If you want more of Tom Rhodes, I don't know that he's always got the unoffendables with him, but you can find him on iTunes, and uh, he's often interviewing uh, people. In fact, uh, one of his recent podcasts recent podcasts was interviewing another guy named Tom Rhodes, who was a musician. Just he thought that, that would be interesting. Uh, next, we have What Duvet Said. Uh, we featured these guys before, Jason Duplissy and Rob Chelly. Uh, and uh, if uh, plans hold true, I believe our very next episode of Suckatash, Rob Chelly, one half of that crew, will be in the studio with me as our special guest co-host, playing some of his favorite podcast findings. Uh, in uh, in their show, they work through the issues of the day. In this segment, they're covering a, a, a news story which they deconstruct about a woman who held the police at bay armed with nothing but her lactating breasts. <laughs> Well, should we uh,
11: get into the news? You can't say it like that. you got (laughs) to say it like this. Should we get into
13: the news? Yep. But this has been a great news cycle because it's tying up some of our old news stories into a... Like, it's... Either they're comebacks to a story we previously talked about, mm-hmm. or we've we've gotten closure on some stories that were open-ended.
11: Yeah, I, I had a live uh, a live and in-person reaction. We got a lot of listener reaction to Tons. your story last week, our story last week of the uh, man hiding in the portal potty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe my favorite one was I just received live and in person the other day. Someone actually stopped me and said, "Oh, and fuck off about that story." Really? Just couldn't
13: handle it. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. That was a heavy <laughs> it was a heavy-duty story. Yeah, yeah. Alright, well here's one in, along those lines. Okay. That'll be loaded up. Alright, I'll wait for you. Alright, here we go. Okay. Woman arrested after allegedly spraying deputies with breast milk. Out of her breast? That's where they that came from. Look at oh. her. She's kind of hot, too. Oh.
11: oh, see, now this is it. I, I never get to sit and read your new stories. Wow, look at those pouty lips. Yeah.
13: Her name is Stephanie Robinette. Delaware, Ohio woman. Oh, Delaware, Ohio. That's a double threat. Yeah, yeah. We could have played the game with this one. No, but it's...
11: I would have... I can see the... Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting right here, Rob. The ruse is up!
13: (laughs) All right. So this woman faces several charges after she allegedly sprayed deputies with breast milk as they tried to detain her over the weekend. I would pay money to see... Sadly, no video has been recorded of this. I would pay money to see that struggle... Yeah, well, how does that happen? How does she get to be in the position?
11: I mean, is it like like a weapon? Does she pull Maybe it out? Maybe they were out and aimed. Was oh, it? you think she was actually topless at the time? Does it tell us?
13: I mean, of all the things. Now, though, correct me if I'm wrong. Last week's story that we're not, we shouldn't be talking about. The story
11: that shall not be named. Yes, yes.
13: the story that shall not be named. A security guard actually tried to wrestle.
11: Yes. The the
13: offender. The, <laughs> yes. The
11: waist covered. The, yeah, waist
13: covered offender. Yeah. Yeah. So that now that shows a little bit of dedication. These guys are complaining because they're going to get zapped with a little bit of breast milk. What what kind of footage
9: does she get out of her breast? Milk? So, I, hey, I mean, how, how close? It doesn't. Does it have to she, be? There's
13: some cleavage happening here, but we're not getting a very. These must have been cannons. Well, that's what I wonder. Like,
11: I wonder, not so much the, the on the receiving end, but what did she, what was her state of mind thinking that that was a viable weapon? Was she trying to get them to slip
13: out of her grasp or to just go, ah! Like, you know, back up like it was acid or? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you what happened though. So when deputies attempted to remove Robinette from the vehicle, She advised the deputies that she was a breastfeeding mother and proceeded to remove her right breast from her dress and began spraying the deputies and the vehicle with her breast milk. And the vehicle? Just Willie gangster style.
11: I think it's a. I think it is a slippery thing. I think she felt that like like they would go whoa, like their feet would start spinning out <laughs> yeah, from underneath them. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's like a
13: fucking uh, Smokey and the
11: Bandit movie. <laughs> yeah, like they all sort of slide, yeah. and fall on their ass, and like they have the you know she sprang it on the car. So if they tried to grab the car, it would slip out <laughs> of their hands.
13: Whoa. Oh my lord. Ging, 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 ging. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, want to get you, Robinette! It <laughs> you, Duke Boys! Oh, ging, 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 ging. Lord. Yes,
1: so. Alright, so there's uh, what Duvet said with uh, Jason Duplissy and Rob Shelley, and actually sounding better than they usually do because they were actually both in the same uh, location this time. Usually they. Uh, do their show via Skype, and it always sounds a little off, um, just from an audible standpoint, but you can get them at uh, whatduvaysaid.blogspot.com also on iTunes and as I said, uh uh, there's a very good chance that Rob Chelley will be here for episode eight. Uh, we're in talks with him now, and as long as we can arrange to pay probably for his bridge toll, he'll come over from San Francisco. Here yes, to... we
0: spare no expense here at Suck-a-tash, the comedy
1: podcast of podcasts. Bill Haywatt, you're back.
0: Yes, that's right. I never really left. Sometimes I... you're,
1: like, you're like a phantom. It's just I look up and you're at another microphone. I am a
0: phantom. I am I'm am one of the last standing of this Brotherhood of voiceover I have many many memories of lactating stars of the old-time radio when we would tune in yesterday and I would be across the uh, the microphones from uh, a young woman who well I, I certainly remember when Eva Tangway was working on good news of 1938 and She had just given birth to triplets, and she just looked like a sow, I want to tell you. And she would wear these tight-fitting garments. Okay. um, I just remember uh, how they would brush up ever so slightly (laughs) against the music
12: stand.
0: You know, I was standing there with Gus Edwards, and Gus Edwards would say, Oh, God, I'd like to get a taste of that. (laughs) You know, I, I... But but the thing that gets me is that what you say on mic is so repugnant. What you do off mic is your own life, but what you do when the mic is live? I mean, talking about a woman lactating when people are listening is disgusting. It's
1: unseemly. But here
0: between you and I, hail fellow well met and all, we can talk about these things. And the listening audience is not hearing about You know, women's breast milk in 1938 talking about, uh, or zapping police officers. If that's not homogenized (laughs) breast milk, you can have a big, big lawsuit on your head, I want to
1: tell you. I always forget you've got that law background as well.
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I I did. I never passed the bar, but I have graduated from law school.
1: I've heard that you rarely pass any bar. Well, there's no need. Exactly. There's no, no need. No, you're welcome in every bar in San Francisco. They know
0: me. Of course they do. They've got a picture of me behind the counter with that old RCA-77 in front of my face. And w- say,
1: He comes in, give him <clears throat> what he wants. When you go into a, yes. a, any bar in San Francisco yes. uh, and you say, uh, give me the usual, What what is the Bill Haywatt usual? I'd be curious to find out. Well, I drink uh, snowshoes. Snowshoes. I, I'm unfamiliar with the, the snowshoe. What, it's what goes into
0: that? a jigger of wild turkey with just a little bit of peppermint schnapps. And if you know the bartender, what he does is he takes it behind the counter and just, between you and I, he shakes just a little bit of his pee pee in there. <laughs> just so, a, little little snow, just a little yellow snow. <laughs> just and a little yellow snow. Interesting. And I want to tell you you know, when it comes out of the body, it is sterile. <laughs> <laughs> So, what you're getting is you're getting you're getting the bartenders nutrients in there with the ureic acid. you're getting the bartenders. Nutrients. He's giving you a little bit of his own uh, juices. I was going to suggest we go drinking
1: after this, but I, I've got Listen, to. Listen, you you've thoughts. never been drinking with me. No, no. I haven't, and now you I know there's ne- a reason why. What do you say? But you know what? I am going to put the, this Bill Haywatt drink recipe up on the website. Jigger com of wild website. turkey. Jigger of wild turkey. Little peppermint schnapps. Little peppermint <laughs> <schnapps>. Little <laughs> shake of the master's pee-pee. pee-pee. Okay.
0: Yes, oh. yes. Oh, God. Listen, oh, my God. you kids today. You oh. think you know how to drink with your frou frou little
1: umbrella drink? Red and Bull and vodka. Red say. Bull and
0: vodka, my.
1: Whoa! Whoa! Bill! 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 Oh my God! All right. Um, so that takes us uh, to the very last piece of episode seven, which is we're going to end the way we began with another burst.
2: Oh Durst! Hey guys. We'll durst here to say, Run for the hills, everybody! Armageddon is imminent! The U.S. economy is about to melt down like a popsicle left at a Palm Springs picnic table. And it's only a matter of time before we descend into the situation that Greece finds itself without the benefit of all that entrancing Zither music. Seniors and sick people and soldiers are destined to be tossed into the streets to battle rabid dogs for food. All hell is about to break loose. Then again, maybe not. What is clear is, well, nothing. The one thing we kind of, almost, pretty much, but not really know for sure, unless Congress agrees to raise the debt ceiling by August 2nd, America's authority to borrow money will expire, and the government may or may not shut down. What that means, no one knows. Could be not so good, or it could be really, really bad. And I can hear you saying, hey, schmucko, shutting down the government doesn't sound so bad to me. About time we kicked those freaking freeloaders off the dole. Yes, but you have to understand, one man's pork is another man's bacon. Both parties are theatrically posturing to stick to their core principles demanding that the other side be the one to compromise, the theory being that the other side is more likely to abandon their principles because, hey, let's be honest, they aren't really principles so much as they are re-election talking points, and you know what, they're both right. The Republicans want cuts and entitlement programs, which the president said he'd consider. The Democrats want higher taxes on rich people, which the GOP said they won't consider. And that's pretty much where we stand right now. Although the word stand might be affording the participants a bit too much credit. Skulk, dodge, slink, squirm, creep, crouch, lurk, loiter, weasel, cower. Any of these would seem to be more apropos. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst.
1: Again, find him at willdurst.com, at Will Durst on Twitter. And uh, you can find us all over the place. In fact, Bill Haywatt will tell you where to find us. But uh, I do spend a lot of time on Twitter. So if you look for uh, Succotash Show... On Twitter. I will be happy to respond to whatever the heck you want to talk about. Um, and again, if you have uh, suggestions of podcasts you think we should listen to and feature on the show, please let us know. Uh, I've been Mark Hershon, and uh, I want to thank Joe Polino, uh, who had a, a good vacation. He's back now, our uh, engineer producer. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, here at Studio P, the home of the hit in Sausalito. Um, And uh, next time, episode eight, we're uh, once again hoping we'll have Rob Chelly from What Duvet Said as our special guest co-host. So listen for that, won't you? And in the meantime, remember please to pass the succotash.
0: Uh, folks, you've been listening to Suckatash, sometimes referred to as the number one comedy podcast, Digest, with your host, Mark Hirshon. Uh You can find us on the web at suckatashow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at suckatashow. Show. Please friend us on Facebook. Uh, you can email Mark, that's M-A-R-C, at suckatashow.com. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio Piece, Sausalito, home of the hit. Uh, our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Uh Folks, I'd like to apologize uh, for our booth announcer, Bill Haywat. Uh, you just never know when someone's gonna turn out to be a mean drunk. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> pass the succotash.